Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Kent, and I'm delighted to introduce to you our topic today. We're exploring the importance of training, the role of the pastor as a trainer and empowerer of lay leadership within the church. Joining us today is a very special guest, Pastor Jerry Page. Jerry, welcome to the, the program. Thank you, Anthony. And Good to be here. We're delighted that you're here. Now, Jerry, your role is at the World Headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's true. Your ministerial secretary, which is all about training and coaching pastors. Resources, all of that, yeah, families. Exactly. Now, Jerry, the Bible has quite a bit, a biblical foundation for, for training elders. Mm -hmm. Would you like to share a little about that with us, please? Sure. I, I like to... Uh, Go back to Exodus 19, 5 and 6, actually, when God first called His people and uh, think about the role that He uh, called His people to. Right. And then, of course, we got a paid clergy a little bit after that. But in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, uh, He said, that first commission, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to Me above all people, for all the earth is Mine. And you shall be to Me a kingdom with priests, no. no, kingdom of, of priests. priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Um, God called his people out of slavery to be a kingdom of priests. Who would they have ministered to, Anthony? They were a kingdom of priests. Well, the, the surrounding nations, sure. the surrounding peoples. Everybody. Yeah. And, of course, they failed in their work and uh, danced around the golden calf, ended up with a paid clergy. And uh, then the history of the wilderness wandings in those early years leads to a time when they're rejecting their own Messiah, Jesus. Why? I think one of the reasons is because they had lost their commission, their mission altogether of uh, working for everybody. So the priesthood of all believers had been lost. So God gave them another chance uh, after, well, after the Hebrews were rejected, the Christian church started up. Right. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. And uh, the same commission, much of the same wording almost, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's... Uh, so that's First Peter. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. Right. But you are a chosen generation, a what? A royal priesthood. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Reminds you of the Hebrew slaves being called out mm. of slavery and darkness, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Mm. So he called the New Testament church to that same ministry, a royal priesthood. And uh, so it's interesting to watch the early church, you know, the book of Acts, uh, everybody was involved yes. in sharing the good news of Jesus and his resurrection. You know how the church spread dramatically. But again, it wasn't too long down the road before the paid clergy began to do an awful lot of the work and yes. the, the members became spectators. And, it seems over time that that's a really negative thing for yeah. the church. And so Ephesians 4 talks again about the role of a pastor. Mm -hmm. This will be our last text, I guess, on the, the biblical basis. But Ephesians 4 is talking about uh, the unity of the church, but then it goes into the spiritual gifts and uh, talks about some of the gifts. Verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Mm -hmm. So the more full-time roles there, pastors, teachers, evangelists, is for what reason? Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now some people would put a comma in there, for the uh, 
equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry. But really the comma isn't there, of course, in the Greek. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yeah. So I guess the, the burden that I have for my own life and I've discovered uh, power in empowering the layman is realizing that my work as a pastor is to train, equip, and empower the saints, the work of the ministry, for the work of the ministry, all the members, and yeah. uh, not to do too much of it myself, but to be helping them. And you know, the Apostle Paul did something really important. It's been recorded for us in Acts chapter 20, mm. where he, in his journey back to Jerusalem, made a stop at a place called Miletus, right. and he called the Ephesian, uh, the, the elders from Ephesus across, and he had a special training meeting for them, mm -hmm. where he trained them, gave them some words of counsel, and empowered them mm -hmm. in ministry. So not only do we have this, these foundations from Old Testament, New Testament, mm -hmm. but we also have that, that biblical example. Yeah, all and, through and Paul's ministry, he was training, setting up the church. Exactly, yeah. Jerry, I'm just wondering if there was something that happened in your ministry where you discovered the importance of training lay leadership or volunteers within the church. Was there something that happened where you discovered that this is really an essential fabric of ministry? Yeah, well, I guess we all have stories about our first districts, you know, years ago, but I was sent to Southern Illinois to a district that didn't have one of our churches in, in the county and had two little churches each direction. And they wanted me to organize a new church there. And went to plant a people. new church? Yeah, to plant a new church. Right. And uh, so I worked extremely hard and so did my wife. We drove the wheels off the car. I drove home half asleep many nights and and was giving Bible studies and winning people in our new little group there. We started to, to grow it up and it, mm -hmm. and it grew and we were able to organize it. And baptisms. And baptisms, you know, it seemed very successful, the ministry. Mm -hmm. Somebody called me to go across the United States to another place and we prayed about it and felt we should go. That's when it dawned, the awakening. Um, what happened? Well, when I was leaving that district or considering it, I thought, now what's going to happen here after all the work we put in to build the churches up mm -hmm. when I leave? Mm -hmm. And the answer that came back I didn't like because it was, it all depends on who the next pastor is because you really haven't discipled anybody to carry on when you leave. So if the next pastor is good, it'll move on. If he's not, she's not, it'll go down. Sounds so like a painful lesson. Actually. It really was. And I determined in my next district that I was going to seek to follow the biblical calling and, and role of trainer and equipper and power of my people. Right. Well, I'm... In, in some ways, I'm sorry that you went through that experience, yeah. but in other ways, it's a, a, a blessing that you discovered it so early in your ministry. Had you been yeah. in ministry for very long then? No, that was my first uh, senior pastor district, and it was a three church, three church district. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's a good time to discover it. Is, it. it is. Yeah, yeah. Stay with us. We're going to have more on the importance of training uh, volunteers for ministry and how to train volunteers in ministry. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where we're exploring how a pastor can effectively train his or her lay leaders and volunteers. Joining us is Jerry Page. And Jerry, just before the break, you shared with us that experience that you had where you realized that just working hard as a pastor yeah. isn't, there's more to ministry than that. It doesn't always make your church go on well. Exactly. The importance of training. So that was your first district. Yeah. What happened in your next district? Well, I went to another church. It was larger and it was, had more resources, but it was in a smaller community. And the previous pastor had left because he said, you really couldn't do evangelism. You couldn't grow the church much because there weren't many people there for big meetings and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I determined we were going to begin to try to put the layman to work. And so I did. But I put them all doing Bible studies. We had like 25 Bible studies going and these Duquesne so volunteers were conducting Bible studies. Yes, yeah, I had yeah. called for members to give Bible studies and we found interest for them. Right. But what I discovered soon was that some of them were doing very well. Rick would give a couple of Bible studies a night. He was seeing people baptized. He was beginning to thrive in his ministry. But Blanche, who was a wonderful lady, worked in community services. But when she tried to do Bible studies, it just didn't go well. It wasn't her gift. And she was just as dedicated, oh, just as converted. Wonderful lady. Loved the Lord. You know? yeah. and, and in community services, she did a great job. But, you know, I was thinking, well, I've got to get everybody doing Bible studies. And uh, the good personal ministries guy at the conference at that time uh, suggested that we might want to try a spiritual gifts training in Sabbath school time and on Sabbath mornings and, and train our people all the different kinds of gifts the Bible talks about. And that was a wonderful opportunity. What happened? Well, we started training uh, in Sabbath school, but we went through spiritual gifts and then had small groups in homes uh, talking about their gifts and taking the inventories and all of that. And what happened is Blanche was able to find people through community services and Rick would give the studies and they both rejoiced when the new people came in and took care of them. And that's just one example. You know. It sounds like they were working like the body of Christ. They were. That's what Ephesians 4 talks about, the unity in the body and we complement each other and, and all the pieces work together when we discover our gifts we involve all the members. The pastor's not trying to do it all, but rather empowering and training the church members for their ministry. Then they thrive. It's yeah. You used an important word there, empowering. Yeah. Because I sense that we, we can offer training, but without empowering volunteers mm -hmm. to actually do ministry, to be ministers, mm -hmm. then it, it can be rather frustrating. Um, how do you see empowering occurring? How can a pastor empower his volunteer leaders? Well, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And as, as a person stays close to the Lord, he will show him different ways with different people. Mm -hmm. But it, like you said, it doesn't, you have to empower them to actually do something because most people don't learn just in a class very well. Yeah. They need to take on a ministry, fail some, try different activities. And uh, then over time, they develop or they move on to another ministry, whatever it is. So. Again, it is, it is being with them, taking them with them if possible. That's what Jesus did, Mark chapter 3. He was with his disciples, poured himself into some leaders who could become trainer equippers of others within the body of Christ. And so he, he poured himself into a few so that they could multiply rather than just add. Right. You know, what you seem to be describing there is that the, that the very role of the pastor is like a perpetual training role, where the, the, the pastor is training members. Is, am I understanding no, you correctly? No, that's my conviction, is that you know, that's really the, the calling of God. There's shepherding, there's preaching, there are things, but I think every role that a pastor does as a primary uh, server and a caregiver should be done to train somebody else. Mm -hmm. and eventually, the church can run pretty much without the pastor, 
yeah. and the pastor can move on to somewhere else. So. Can you give us some specific training opportunities in ministry where a pastor could involve a lay leader, a volunteer leader within the, the congregation and involve them with, with training? Oh, sure. Spiritual visits, I mean, any kind of spiritual visit you're making, I know it's difficult in today's life with the travel and the busyness and cities and all, but to try to take somebody with you when you're going to the hospital or going to a home to visit so that someone else is learning the skills of listening and, and how to minister and text to use to, to bring comfort when mm. they're visiting. Uh, just one example. but. And there's probably other reasons why a pastor should take somebody with them when they're making many times. home visits That's as right. well. So it's, as well as being a, a training opportunity, it's, it's a protecting boundaries yeah. and so forth as well. Yeah. So what, what would you consider other good methods that a pastor could use to, to train some of his or her members within the church? Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, I think, and I, I don't have you know, such new methods maybe for pastors mm -hmm. and elders mm -hmm. on that. But I think, you know, you can do it through internet and through video and through bringing in specialists. But I think the best thing is to actually take people out there and put them to work or have some of your other leaders who are good at a particular gift to take them out and do it. Yeah. Rick can take somebody with him on Bible studies. That's how, that's how we learn. So, um, you know, there's lots of ways. Classes is one way, but it usually doesn't get as much accomplished unless you do something with it. Yeah. There's a lot in that, that old adage of watch and learn, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. Um, and, and skills are caught rather than taught. Mm -hmm. um, I was fascinated to hear the story of these young 14-year-olds in one particular city stealing a streetcar. Oh, yes. And, and driving all around the, the streets of that city in, in the middle of the night. They, the police were chasing them, couldn't stop them. Finally, they, they turned themselves in and the police arrested them. And they said, how did you learn to do this? And they simply said, we watched a driver for a day and just did what he did. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinary how, how people can learn it simply is. by observation and perhaps reflection afterwards. When you think about Jesus' disciples, they were not a very promising group. We know that. And yet... They walked with him, they slept in the same areas, they ate, they watched him heal, they watched him teach and preach. And by the time he left, with a little more conversion, they were able to turn the world upside down and mm -hmm. powerful people who would give their lives for the Lord. And that didn't happen in a short period of time. No, three and a half years. Exactly. Now you've got some insights there from a, a special woman who had an ex extraordinary gift, mm -hmm. uh, Ellen White. Share some of these insights with us, please. Okay. Let me read several of these to you. She says, sometimes ministers do too much. They seek to embrace the whole work in their arms. It absorbs and dwarfs them. Uh, yet they continue to grasp it all. They seem to think that they alone are to work in the cause of God, while the members of the church stand idle. This where, is not God's order. Where can our viewers find that? That's in a book called Evangelism. It's a great little book on how to do outreach and evangelism, page 113. Right. Yeah. So she's clearly saying there, just working hard is not all that we're called to do. No, in fact, it hurts us and our members. Exactly. It's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. So the, the important thing is, is the training. Yeah. And, and teaching, training volunteers, our, our members, how to effectively minister. Right. Yeah. And that's not always easier, but it is much more productive and helps both the pastor and the members. Yeah. You know, I think it would be valuable if we explored who we should particularly train 
within the church. And we might do that right after this break. So stay with us. We'll be back with that in Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where we're exploring how a pastor can effectively train volunteers and members within the church. Jerry, we we were talking just before the break. Are there any particular people, types of people that the pastor should intentionally train or intentionally seek to train? Well, I think the youth are just, youth and young adults are so much fun to train because they're so open and they get so excited and they have their whole life ahead of them and they really need it. I think of my own experience. I grew up in a pastor's home. Right. I, my mother was a teacher and they were very involved in ministries. My dad worked with literature evangelists and, and they had a lot of testimonies and, and work going on for people. But I was kind of left at home and uh, they're gone now. I don't think it would hurt them to say this, but basically I got very rebellious, got into drugs and the whole thing, just watching TV and running with my friends. I think I was a leader looking for something to lead, but Uh nobody gave me the permission. And so when I think of youth, I think of putting them to work so that these leaders don't have to lead in rebellion or lead some other direction, but they can lead in in mission and in caring for people and find the joy early on of that. So it's a wonderful field. It sounds like... If, if we don't give our young people the opportunity of training for mm. mission, they may even find a mission which isn't quite what we had in Leaders mind Leaders are going to lead, Anthony. You know, it's yeah. just the way it is. So. Yeah. yeah. So young people are, are prime candidates for training, yeah. often seeking it, looking for it, even though they may not articulate mm-hmm. a, a desire to be trained. Are there any other people in the church that you'd be particularly focusing well, on? you know especially people who are influencers, I mean, they will influence others. And so, like Jesus, we, we try to train leaders to train others. And if we can find some people in the church who are 
influencers, it can help others. Uh, maybe retired people, they have yeah. so much to give. And I heard somebody recently say that the best things that have happened for the world happened after the age of 60. Wow. Because people have so much experience and wisdom. Yeah. And so we ought to, we ought to be putting some of our retirees and uh, yeah. elderly folks to work as well. You know, I've noticed the same thing in my ministry. There, there seems to be, when, when people have retired soon after that, that period, mm -hmm. there, there's an availability of time, the energy levels are still there, and there seems to be also be a desire to serve yes. and a desire to, to make a difference. So I'd, I'd fully in, endorse and support that as well. It's good for them too. I, I think of uh, one pastor asked another pastor how big his church was, and he said, oh, I've got about a thousand members, and the first man was impressed. He said, that's a large church. He said, uh, how many of your members are active? And uh, the other man thought for a minute, he said, well, they're all active. And all thousand of yeah, them? Yeah, he said, a thousand members, they're all active, how did wow. you do it? And, and the other man said, well, there's about 200 that are active for the Lord, the rest are active for the devil. All right, okay. <laughs> and there's truth in that, you know, if our members sit idle, if they're not finding productive ways to serve people and Jesus, um, it does cause more problems sometimes, yeah. they get into yeah. trouble. <laughs> now, coming back to spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. When, when you've done a spiritual gift inventory, which, which particular giftedness, people with those gifts, would you be particularly looking to train as well? Which, which gifts would attract your attention? Well, I think it's great to train in all the gift areas, mm -hmm. including prayer ministries and, and uh, community service, all those things. But the pastor may not do the training in every area. He may have others who can train. Um, you know, we've been told that at least it's great if a church has 10 or 20 percent who are gifted in the area of direct outreach and evangelism and working for people for Jesus because if the church is going to grow, you've got to have some who are doing that. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole host of other gifts that people can uh, do and, and training may ha come from a lot of different sources. But Yeah, yeah. Now, a, a pastor's children, mm -hmm. should, should something special be done with them and training? Have you got any advice on that? Well, again, the Lord will lead each family, I think. But in our family, we got our, our sons into some simple kinds of ministry for others, uh, even giving Bible study as a family once, and then we went on mission trips. And I think it really did help them sense the, the world, what it's like, the needs there. And, you know, they, they both have been involved in trying to help people and ministries. One of them is a pastor. So... I'm not saying that's perfect and, you know, yeah. uh, lots of different ways to do it, but it's like me sitting at home when my parents were involved in ministry. I think it, it allowed me to go the wrong direction and become a leader for the wrong kind of things. Right. So, so when you engaged your sons in, in ministry and training for ministry, yeah. how did they respond to it? Did they feel like they were free labor for their dad or <laughs> what, what was their, their response? Were they positive about it? No, I think they really enjoyed it. We went to some overseas missions and uh, that was a lot of fun for them. We did different kinds of things, building and, and all of that, but uh, I probably didn't put them to work as free labor for me that much. Some have them yeah. run projectors and do things, but um, no, I think it was a very positive part of their life and experience and it, it let us work together with them as well. So right, great. okay. Oh, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Now let's turn our attention to the benefits and the results. Mm. What are some of the benefits and results when a pastor is effectively training volunteers in the church? Well, let me read you just one more statement here if I can. It's from a book called Gospel Workers, which 
some of the pastors and elders might want to read because it's it's geared directly to that again by Ellen White. Right. But which which particular page? You this know? is page one ninety seven and eight. Okay. So it's it's a it kind of hits several benefits of the training equipping model. Mm -hmm. She says if pastors would give more attention to getting and keeping their flock actively engaged at work, one they would accomplish more good mm -hmm. okay, themselves. Have more time, get more done have more time for study and religious visitations, mm -hmm. and also avoid many causes of friction within the church. So there's three benefits right there. You're empowering your people, they're mm -hmm. active, they're, they're thriving in the Lord, their strength comes spiritually we know as well, and if they don't exercise, if they don't work for God, they're gonna get feeble and yeah. uh, be hurt spiritually. But it allows the pastor freedom to go on and do other work and to train other people and to move into areas maybe that haven't been reached for Jesus. So, yeah. Getting more people involved takes the load off the pastor's shoulders in other ways too. Yeah, it, that's wonderful advice, isn't it? And it's yeah. it's biblical, and it really is coming back to our biblical mm. foundation, mm. the priesthood of all believers, yeah. where we are ministering together as as priests. And if you read the rest of Ephesians four, after it talks about the role of the pastor, mm -hmm. it talks about how. Members won't be led astray with this doctrine and that. They'll uh, come together in unity, grow up into the nature of the stature of Christ. The body will work together like a body with all its ligaments working. So benefits are listed in that very chapter where it yeah. says if we do the gifts right, we'll see a lot of positive things in the body. Thanks for those valuable insights, yeah. Jerry. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being a guest on Ministry Privilege. in Motion. Thanks a lot. Yeah. We want to thank you too for joining us in Ministry in Motion. If you've enjoyed today's program, tell your colleagues about it. Tell your, your fellow believers about it. Invite them to come to our website, ministryinmotion.tv. We're also keen to hear from you. Send us an email with your feedback. The email address is feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. A little word or two extra about our website. There's many resources that are there. You can find the, the, all the complete programs of Ministry in Motion. They're available free to share. And uh, we invite you to that website. But we also invite you back for our next program. But until then, may God bless you richly in your ministry.